Welcome to the Cannibal Podcast. Today I have a very special guest. Hello, my name is Jude Bataglino. And today we're going to be talking about Armin Mivis. So what do you know about Armin Mivis so far? Um, well, what I've known about him, he's a cannibal. He obviously. is a cannibal. <laughs> that is why we are talking about him today. Yes, um, but what I know about him is that he's one of those few cases with cannibalism where his consent was involved. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. Although if you read, um, if you'd read the book about him, it seems like there are a lot of cases of cannibalism where consent is involved, or perhaps that's just the author's projection of this horrible case onto the world, but it seems like like a lot of people in Germany go missing because <laughs> they were eaten, or at least that's what, that's what seems to be the... Germany. <sighs> Germany. Oh, the Germans. Berlin. So we're just going to jump right in. I briefed Jude a little bit. She knows the basic story. So I'm just going to be going through the details with her. She's going to jump in when she sees fit, and we're all going to have a good time. This is one of my personal favorite um, cannibalism stories, because I heard about it when I was pretty young. My sister actually read this book about a decade ago, and she told me about it for some reason. Hmm. Um, (laughs) How old was she at the time? She was, like, our age. Um, well... (laughs) So I would have been, like... Seven? God. Something like, like that? Something like that? Can you mill for, I don't tell her about weird sadomasochistic cannibalists. Yeah. I mean, she also let me watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was like... That's not that bad, though. I... Yeah. It was good. I mean, I loved it. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic. It's a like, classic. I mean, I don't know about this being a classic, maybe in terms of cannibalism, yeah. I remember... I think the first time I heard about it was... you know the movie Feed? I, I think that's what it's called. I don't... Okay, so the intro to the movie is essentially based off of this, what mm-hmm. happened. And the whole feed movie is sort of, uh, what, what, are, what, what, like, what are philias called? Like, sexual deviancies. Like, I, there's, like, a like specific... fetishes or... Yeah, like, there's a specific term for it, though. I'm going to think of it later. But um, it's basically, like, an exploitative, like, gross thriller horror movie about like sexual fetishes and uh the first like scene the first opening act it's not a good movie but um the first opening act is um basically like the same premise of what happened in this Mm. where it's someone tries to eat another person but i guess it's consent involved and it's for some weird like sexual thing and um the thing is, is that the cop breaks in and he's just absolutely scarred by this man in a tub. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. So we're going to jump right into the case. I have my my notes all written out. For some reason, the world really didn't want me to print them. So I'm going to be reading off of my laptop, which I don't like, but it's fine. <laughs> it's because God hates you. Because God hates me, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's because this morning I was teaching the children at church, and now I'm talking about a cannibal. Yeah, God hates bags. I believe it. <clears throat> so Armin Mivis, he was born December 1st, 1961. He is also known as the Rottenberg Cannibal and Der Metzgermeister, the Master Butcher. He's this week's cannibal, obviously. He was born to parents... Oh, I meant to look these names up, but, like, I didn't. His parents, his mother... Waltraud, Waltrud, and Detlef Mivis. 
He also had two half-brothers known as Ilya and Werner, but those aren't their real names. That's just, like, what they're called in the book that... So, aliases. Yeah, that's just their aliases. Okay. The book, by the way, where I got a lot of this information, or rather, the most detailed information was Interview with a Cannibal, The Secret Life of the Monster of Rotenberg by Gunter Stumpf. It's a very interesting book, but I do have some critiques, which we're going to get in later if time permits. Okay. So he was the youngest of three. His brothers didn't have any contact with their fathers. His middle brother, I believe, his dad killed himself when he was pretty young. And then the other father, it's pretty much the same thing as what happened with Mivas' father, which we're going to get into in a second. So when he was eight years old, his father left the family and had very little contact with Armin after that. According to a neighbor... Mivis's mother was cheating on him, so he didn't have any legal obligation to Armin or his mother. This is where we start to see some of his mother's effects on his personality and development, or at least that's what people project to be her effect. There's a lot of blame put on her that I don't know if it's necessarily right. Well, what type of person was she? We're going to get into that. <laughs> she was definitely emotionally manipulative, though, to her sons and to her partner's Armin's two half-brothers also left home around the same time as his dad, which had a huge effect on him because now he was just alone with this manipulative woman in a mansion. That's very rich. Well, no. I mean, kind of. So they had a mansion? They had a mansion, but they couldn't really afford it. They lived in a 36-room mansion, and after his dad left, his mom had to get a job, which made her... Just made her feel really ashamed because she was like just a just a classic German woman. She wasn't supposed she was be a she was supposed to be like a homemaker, you know. And here she is having to go get a job. Scandalous. <sighs> yeah. So they were basically just middle class living in a big ass house. I mean, kind of. He lived a pretty, uh, like they. He had a pony. He had a pony named Polly. Later, he would have like this nice car. <laughs> Yes, he had a pony named Polly. <laughs> Why is this so stupid? <laughs> Why'd you name I feel like maybe that was already the pony's name and it was gifted to him. Oh, Germans. <laughs> Germans and their ponies named Polly. Truly. So the extent of his mother's eccentricity is debatable. I've heard some mixed things, but a lot of it... I mean, it's all bad, basically, because people blame her for, like, a lot of how uh, Mivis ended up. One source said that she and Mivis would dress up in medieval clothing and decorate all 36 rooms of the house. That seems fun, though. I mean, (laughs) it does, but when you're, like, a little boy and you're being forced by your mother to, like, dress up every year or whatever and decorate 36 rooms and she's like a little bit crazy it seems like something i would do <laughs> get my get my kids all right you're gonna decorate this house i mean i think i would be into it too but i it's it was yeah. probably excessive yeah. she well, would how do you know like how old is he like was he I very mean, young yeah from like when he was eight on i guess So she would throw fits in public when with her partners and would even like faint if she got upset. Armin's father, Detlef, once found her unconscious in a park, which is funny because if you remember um, the previous cannibal, Dorangel Vargas, that's how he chose people to eat because they were passed out in the park. Oh. Mm. But he was in Venezuela, not Germany, so. Okay. 
That's fun. Just a fun little aside. Mavis, by his own account, loved his mother, even if he did admit she was a little bit overbearing and, yeah, manipulative, but he didn't blame her for the things that he would do in the future. And he did love his father before he left. He is quoted saying, he was my one and only, then he just up and left. So by the time he grew to an adult, he hated his father for not trying to make any contact with him and not writing him any like meaningful letters. It was shortly after his brothers left and his grandma died, this was all pretty much at the same time, like within the same two years, he felt particularly alone and he started to long for a younger brother. So he created a, an imaginary brother who could never leave him. And it was at the same time that he started realizing that he had feelings for boys. Mivis, in the, in the interview, he's a self-declared bisexual. He said that he was mostly attracted to women, but he had like uh, such an extreme desire to have and consume a brother so that he would always be a part of him. And then, like, as he grew up, it became more sexual in nature. Okay. Have any comments about that? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. It's, what's the Oedipus complex, but, like... But for brothers? But for brothers, so basically just that, but, like, also cannibalistic in nature. Yeah. I have a lot to say about this whole... He puts, like, a lot of... I don't want to say blame, but he, like, he puts a lot of stock into the story that, like, he he had to eat someone because he he needed he, to be fulfilled. He, he, he needed, needed to, to have another... He to fill that void. Yeah. So, like, that's why... He makes it sound very, like, poetic when really... But he just wanted to eat someone. Right. <laughs> There's nothing, like, nothing that poetic about. <laughs> yeah. No. When I was really cynical when I started reading it because I was like, this is dumb. Like, it's not it's not poetic. It's not anything. You're just you're just a creep. But then as I kept reading, like there were some things that made sense with what he was saying and some things that didn't. And so I haven't really formed an opinion about this case totally, which I don't like to do. Like, I like to I like to know what I think about something when I'm talking about it. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I think here. You know, I'm all for healthy sexual freedom and expression. Healthy being the key word. Not not eating people. No, not eating people. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I'm i very much the type of person where it's like, you do you. You it, do you. You do you. If, like, you're two consenting adults, I don't give a shit. But what about when it's death? That's a little bit too far. <laughs> if it's like, I don't know, like, maybe yeah. just, like, take off a little... We're gonna have... Time to talk about yeah, this. So yeah. we'll get into it we'll get in a little bit it. once okay. we get past his, his history and get okay. into the, the gory stuff. So we're at like sexual development right now. Yeah, pretty much. In the interview, Mivis told the story of the first time he realized that he had a crush on another boy. And it was, if I'm being honest, it was really cute. Like it was completely innocent. And you just like remember that he's just a normal kid and he, like, was doing normal kid things, like, running in the field with him. And I was like, oh, this is so cute. It's so sad that he's a cannibal. Oh, I had feelings when I read that. He continued to have crushes on boys. And once again, it was super weird to read because it's like, oh, he's a kid. And then it's like, oh, he's a cannibal. Yeah. Yeah. It was around age 12 when he actually started fantasizing about eating people he would masturbate while imagining cutting boys open and disemboweling them with the intent to consume. What the fuck? <laughs> I, this kid is 
<laughs> running running through a field. <laughs> that that's such a stark contrast. Oh my oh Jesus <laughs> Jesus gross. What the I mean I see like I've seen I've been exposed to some shit, but like the fuck no words. It was at the same time that he became obsessed with having a brother who he would eat so that he would always be a part of him. Was that like, was that like, that wasn't sexual. Or was it? I mean, he was attracted to boys. He would get aroused thinking about eating them. And he wanted a, someone who he could eat that would be like the ultimate okay. love because okay. they would never leave him. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. Sigmund Freud. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I don't know, but, like, this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm a solution Freud. That's a very different person. <laughs> I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because there are, like, just some weird things that don't really fit into the story. And we'll probably circle back to those okay. uh, as... Which as, ones, though? Was it, like, military? The, no, just, like, the stuff okay. between military. Okay. At age 20, he joined the military. Fun. <laughs> And his cannibalistic fantasies went completely into remission for, like, a decade because he was so occupied with responsibility. He reports that at that time, it pretty much just went away and he didn't even think about it. It's really interesting. The military did something good for once. For once. Well, this is is the German military. So, American. Ugh, America. American ingenuity. After his 10 to 12 years in the military... (laughs) He went back to live with his mother in their mansion. She died in 1999. Oh. One source said that he set aside a room for her after her death and kept it decorated and clean and kept a mannequin that he dressed in her clothes and he put it to sleep each night. But it doesn't say that anywhere in like the biography I read or like anywhere else. And honestly, I don't believe it because he was like a totally normal guy aside from being a cannibal. Okay. So, like, yeah, he loved his mom, but he didn't make a creepy shrine to her, I don't think. Yeah, he, he wasn't, like... He wasn't that creepy. He wasn't, like, Norman Bates. Yeah. He was just a cannibal, you know? Yeah. That's, that's how it be sometimes. After his mother died, he got into hardcore internet porn and started perusing the now-disbanded website, The Cannibal Cafe. Which, by the way, you can, like, go through the web archives of that. And, like, when I first started... Did you do that? Yeah. When I first um, started my research, I was like... Hmm, interesting. And, like, I almost threw up all over my phone. It's oh. gross, but I mean... There, did you see photos? Absolutely. Oh, gee, oh. So if that's, if that's something thing. you're interested in, you can see it. I mean, maybe later. I don't recommend it. Mm, no. <laughs> but it's interesting yeah. to see how those kind of people think. Yeah. Through the message boards, he solicited a willing victim to be eaten by him. He wanted a young man between 18 and... Excuse me. He wanted a young man between 18 and 30 who was... Pleasant, not too heavy, and not too muscular. A few men responded, and he talked online with many. He eventually would convert a room into his house into a slaughter room because of the online correspondence named Mateo. Mateo wanted to be evenly browned with a flamethrower before being beaten to death with a hammer, as well as having his penis cut up. Mivas even put an electrical oven in the scaffolding of the room to accommodate his wish of being roasted alive. But the contact fell through, sadly enough, for my fist. What, that doesn't sound appealing? Being evenly browned with a flamethrower? No, it does not. Did he have a flamethrower, like, hanging around? I Just set him on fire. He probably, like, bought one right away if he converted a whole room in his house to a murder room. God. 
He did meet up with a few men who he planned on killing and consuming, but ultimately, when it came down to it, none of them wanted to complete the deed. Ideally, his fantasy was to find a milling, a willing man who he really... A milling man. I, I want to get me a milling man. Who he really liked, so he let them go with no hard feelings. One man, uh, he drew the incisions that he would make on him in colored pencil on his skin. Um, and then did that fall So through. that was fun. That was just like their first time meeting. And then he was oh. like, let's meet a next time and I'll kill you. And he was like, okay. And then he didn't. Okay. So now we yeah. are to the main event. The actual As I, I so lovingly call this horrible, horrible tragedy. Eventually, he starts talking to burned Jürgen Brandes. He met him through the Cannibal Cafe message boards. He was very, uh, very direct about what he wanted from Midas. He asked for pictures of his slaughter room and of his front teeth. He wanted to have his penis cut off, and he wanted to eat it himself raw. Oh, that's what happened in um, the movie feed. That was in the (laughs) beginning, too. That's fun. And, like, he was just, like, with, like, a little cat. (laughs) I keep interrupting you. No, it's no. I okay, but like, um, he had a little cast iron um, skillet, and you're just frying like little cut up pieces of sausages. Police officer's like, "What the fuck you doing?" He's like, (laughs) (laughs) "I'm sure that's exactly the noise he made." So he told Mavis that he wanted the flesh torn from his body and to be eaten while he was alive. Pretty quickly, Brandis told him, "I hope you're serious because a lot of guys aren't. This is what I want. Let's make it happen." Also, I'm 36. That's, that's paraphrasing, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Myris responded something along the lines of, yeah, 36 isn't too old, let's do it. And they set a date for February 23rd, but the timing wasn't right. He had, like, business stuff, so they moved it to March 9th, 2001. Myvis promised that he will prolong the torture as long as... Uh, six days from now. Oh, it really is. It should be a, a holiday. He promised that he would prolong the torture as long as he could make it last to give Brandis's last to make Brandis's last moments hell on earth. And then they bond over their childhood fantasies. Myvis mentions that he'd be happy to bite off Brandis's tongue since by then he'll already have a taste for blood. Just keep that in the back of the, your mind, like, what they think is going to go down here. Yeah, I'll bite off your tongue. Like, it's cool. We're already going to be, like, like I won't be able to stop myself, you know? They Ner- just, they're such nerds. They just have, like, such an idealistic sense of what is going to happen. Not realistic. Like, they're such nerds. <laughs> they're literally such, like... They're just living their lives. I mean, up to yeah, the murder but part, nerds. like, it's fine. Yeah, it's like, they're both, like, really creepy nerds. They're just living their lives. I'm not going to judge them for that. I'm, I'm going to ju- I'm gonna judge them. I'm going to judge them for them. the murder part, but not not for just, like, fantasizing about it. And one of his messages, Brandis says, I hope March 9th comes soon and that you really mean it seriously. He still isn't, like, sure that Mavis can fulfill him in the way that he wants. March 9th is approaching. Brandis is still suggesting in their messages that he's scared Mavis will stand him up. He reassures him that no one knows where he's going and that people disappear all the time in Germany. On March 5th, he asks for the 9th off and his boss says sure because he has time to take off. He's always been a good employee. He's like, I don't care. 
Brandis tells Mivis that he wiped his computer of any of his weird cannibal shit, and he's paying in cash for any of the weird cannibal shit that he buys, so that if things don't pan out, he can just, like, go back to work the next day, no hard feelings. Which is really sad to me that he's planning a scenario where he, like, comes back from this, I guess, because... I don't know. Well, he st- he doesn't believe that Mivis will want to go through with it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it takes like a lot of no pun intended, a lot of guts to go through with cannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to go through with like cannibalist murder, especially when like you're the one on both sides. It's, I mean, God, they're they're such nerds, though. They're literally. Oh my God. I'm sorry. They're like they're such like this is. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat your tongue because I'm not gonna be able to control myself. It's like, oh, God. So anyway. (laughs) Yeah, nerds. My question was, was this some kind of subconscious self-preservation that he doesn't believe he's going to die? Like, he he wants it, like, he's into it, but is, like, some part of him, like, this isn't really going to happen. Like, I'm not, this isn't going to be how I die. Like, are you asking, like, if it's, like, a a primal instinctual, like, trying to... I, He's, like, making plans as if, yeah. like, for the next day. Well, I mean, like, I feel like this is something, like, he's he's obviously been a part of this community for a while. So, probably thought about this. He's probably had experiences where he's been let down. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like it's a combination of, like, mostly being he's probably been stood up. Right. Or maybe things didn't really go through. Or he's heard of, like, other things, like, just it not working out that well. So, He's probably used to that, and he's probably going to be like, okay, well, this doesn't work out, you know. Yeah. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, kind of inverted in the situation. But, um, yeah, but then I also kind of think, I mean, animals, humans, we have primal instinctual, like, need for self-preservation, but I don't know. It's his thing. (laughs) Yeah. So they have some, some fun little IM messages through Yahoo Messenger, which was, like, the best way to correspond back in the day. Back in the day of when we were around the time we were both born. Indeed. Mivis tells Brandis that he drinks his own blood sometimes and that he loves the taste of blood and shit like that. Brandis is excited that he gets to consecrate his slaughter room. He's like, have you ever killed someone? He's like, nope, you're going to be the first. And he's like, ah, shucks. They both have pretty idealized ideas that's not a fun way to say that what they both have like pretty idealized scenarios in their heads of how this is going to go down Brandis says it'll be totally easy to cut his dick off because it's just like spongy tissue and he says that he should videotape it so it's not just like a one and done although my is like yeah duh i'm not just gonna like murder you and not tape the whole thing duh, he nerds Again, Brandis just really seems to be under the impression that it's going to be easy to just bite chunks of him off and maybe bandage up some bits so they can keep the fun going before he bleeds out. Have they never, like, I mean, obviously, like, it's their first, but, like, it's just so naive. Yeah. Like, (laughs) God. So all their correspondence up to March 9th is just, like, weird, dirty talk and, like, ooh, I like blood, I'm gonna eat you. Um, and, like, talking about the plans. What is important to note is that Brandis was living with a man named Renee at the time, and Renee said they were basically married, which is sad. Did he know about it? I mean, he knew that he was, like, a freak, but I, he didn't know that he had plans to be murdered. But did he know that he was super into capitalism? I, yeah, I think so. Like, everyone knew he was, he was a hoe. Oh, uh-huh. 
That puts it lightly. Well, he was a hoe. I mean, also, in addition to being a cannibal, you know, not yeah. a cannibal. Well, like, interested in the idea. Being cannibalized. Yeah. You get it. But yeah, that's really sad to me, because I didn't know that he was, like, living with someone until I read the biography, and that just that just made me sad. On March 9th, this is, um, this is where it's, uh, you know, this is it. March 9th, Brandis takes a train from Berlin to Kassel, which is near where Mivis lived. Mivis picks him up at the station. Um, Brandis is, like, touching him on the drive, and Mivis is like, calm down, you can wait. Um, Brandis says, I just want to make sure you go through with it. <sighs> so, like I said, I wrote this really, like, late in the night, and I was just, like, feeling bad about having read it, and I was feeling really gross about, like, rewording it. So I tried to only include the things that were absolutely necessary to, like, the story, because there's just so much. And, like, at what point do we stop discussing the human condition and start just marveling at a horrific sex act? You know? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm trying to stick to like the bare bones stuff. But if you want all the horrific details, the book that I mentioned earlier is really good. Um, I'll, I'll put the link or whatever in the description. So yeah, I didn't want to leave it any important details. But the next, the next part gets really, really graphic. They get to Mivis's house and they chat for a little bit. Brandis like strips immediately as soon as he closes the door and Mivis is like, Ooh, you're sexy. Wait, put your clothes on. It's not time yet. And Brandis is like, I'll put on a shirt, but that's it. Which I thought was funny. So they chatted for a little bit. They had some tea. And then Brandis is like super impatient. He wants to see the slaughter room. Mivis shows him upon Brandis's request. They have sex once. This is when Mivis started recording. Brandis wanted Mivis to bite him. And he kept insisting that he wasn't doing it hard enough. And that Mivis was just too soft. And he got really angry that he couldn't bite him hard enough. To, like, go through the skin. Yeah, just he couldn't give him what he wanted in that in, in that instant. And he was just getting angry about it. Marvis said uh, to the interviewer that um, one shouldn't do what one wouldn't want done to him. So, like, he, he couldn't bite chunks out of, out of Brandis' skin because he wouldn't want someone to bite chunks out of his skin, which is really interesting of him to say because he you know he ends up murdering and eating him yeah does he eat all of him he eats most of him like i th- I think like at least 20 pounds like over the course of like a couple months so, oh, but yeah i wish he'd um i wish he'd kept that attitude the whole time the whole do unto others bit yeah where was this when, like, where was this, where was when, this you, like, when you chopped his dick off where was this like years before when you got interested in cannibals what the f- what the fuck oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so after they had sex burned which is his name i've been calling him brandon but his first name burned said that armand wouldn't be able to slaughter him properly and wouldn't be able to give him the ultimate high that he was dreaming of. And (laughs) once again, I just have to wonder if this is like some kind of self-preservation thing or if he's just like, no, he can't murder me good enough. I think the latter. (laughs) I mean, I would hope not. But I mean, anyway, (laughs) Mivis says, well, what if you're unconscious or sedated? And uh, Brandis is like, okay, Let's try it. He gives him some cough syrup. They chat for a little bit. 
Rondis is like, okay, this isn't going to happen. I'm not, like, getting sleepy. Just take me back to the train, and if I get tired on the way, we can turn around. They get all the way back to the train station. They get out of Mivas's car. Burned buys a ticket back to Berlin, and then he goes to the restroom, comes back, and he's like, I can't go back to Berlin. My my boyfriend is going to wonder where I've been. I... Like, I, if I go back now, I'm going to have to, like, face hell. Uh, he says that they can buy some sleeping pills and some alcohol, and then maybe he'll be sedated enough to, like, for Mivas to be comfortable going through with it. So he waits in the car while Mivas goes to a pharmacy, and then they head back to his house. Which is, ugh. The, like, they got back to the train station. Like, he was about to leave. He was about... <laughs> he takes ten sleeping pills and some nighttime cold medication... How did he not die from that? I don't know. Maybe, what I'm thinking, like, he didn't even get, like, tired. So what I'm thinking is, like, he must have been totally filled with adrenaline and, like, so excited about... Is he a drug addict? I don't think so. He did, he seemed like just like a normal guy. I mean, aside from all the cannibal business. But what I think it was is that, like, his body was just, like, in such a heightened state of arousal that the drugs, like, didn't do anything. So um, he laid in the slaughter room bed for a while, unable to go to sleep. Oh, there's a bed. Yeah, there's a bed in the slaughter room. <laughs> it's a bed in the slaughter room. Of course, you don't have a bed in your slaughter room? I mean, it's just my normal bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> he drank some schnapps, and around 6 p.m., he got tired of trying to fall asleep and insisted that it was time. Schnapps. She, yep, he drank some schnapps. Like I said earlier, I'm just not sure how much of this is necessary to talk about. And the notes are getting a little long. So, you know, just bear with me a little bit longer. This is the part where, like, I started feeling sick. So I tried to make it... Okay. I tried to make it less horrible. Uh, just listen. <laughs> Mivis tries to cut off Brandis's penis, but the knife is too dull. So the screaming Brandis insists insists that he use a different knife. Mivis gets a bigger knife. He works through a little bit, but he has to kind of saw to do it. Eventually, it does the job and completely severs Brandis's penis from his body. Okay. Brandis was thrilled to see how freely it bled. He, um, he screamed bloody murder for about 30 seconds before he said, doesn't even hurt anymore. And uh, Mivis bandaged him up a little bit so that they could keep going. And since he isn't unconscious, he's like, okay, cool. I'm not unconscious. I don't have a dick anymore. Um, I want to eat it now. So Mivis cuts it in half and he hands it to him, but it's too chewy to eat. Like he was complaining that Mivis couldn't bite chunks out of him, but he can't even like this is this is severed meat. And it's like just, just spongy nothing. And he can't even chew it. So he was he was saying, Mivis, you're too much of a pussy. But it's like you can't even you dick. can't even eat your own dick. You can't even eat that's that's a metaphor <laughs> that's some metaphorical shit. Um God. I I must have had like a pretty like sizable dick. If it was like if you could like cut it off and like like <laughs> if it's like like uh, it has to be flaccid. But like obviously obviously um wasn't, then it would be eventually. So I mean, good for him. So he's he's disappointed to say his least because this was this was like his all time fantasy was t- to eat his own penis. He had to he had to get it cooked. 
Yeah, Armin suggests that he cook it. Maybe it'll be easier to eat. Goes downstairs and Brandis is like, don't go bother. Don't bother calling a medic. He's like kind of joking. Funny, real funny, man. Mavis tries to prepare like a like a nice meal. He cooks some tomatoes with it. He serves himself and Brandis upstairs in the slaughter room on his, uh, his fine china. And they both realize it's totally inedible. Like he... You can't even stick a fork into it. As soon as he put it on the pan, it shriveled right up. <sighs> like, this is... it. It's not the... This is, like, the worst part for me. Like, not the worst, but... Like, this is his ultimate fantasy. This is all he wants out of life. This is what he wants to do before he dies. And it is completely ruined. Like, there's no getting that moment back. There's no, there's no like, having your penis back. There's no not shriveling it up. Like, he's, he has... He could have just, like, gotten the balls and just ate it anyway. (sighs) Like, it was, like, charred. He could have still eaten it. I get it. I've eaten charred pieces of toast. I feel... It's probably different. But anyway, like, it it just... This was so sad, because it's, like, all this hope, and then this huge letdown. I don't... Like, if I were into this kind of shit, I don't know what I would have done, because my first instinct is to cry when I'm disappointed at, like, anything. And so... Like, that's a super embarrassing thing about me. Yeah. Like, I cry all the time if I'm disappointed about something. Like, I'll cry for the dumbest reasons. But that's the only reason I'll cry is if I'm disappointed. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, for this guy, I feel like he's just asking for, like, a lot. He's like, he's like, all right, we'll cut my dick off. Gets his dick cut, gets his dick cut off. It's like, all right, well, now we're going to eat it. But you can't eat it because it's too, it's too spongy. So the guy who cuts his dick off that he wanted to do that, and he's like, well, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that. You're not blah, 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 blah. like making him like do shit for him. Well, and then had... and then he cooks it for him. It doesn't go out the way. And he's like, does he does he end up eating it? I don't know. I don't no, know they end up like they throw it away. He ugh, you could have eaten it. You literally could have eaten it. Okay, it's charred. Great. You could have eaten it. Oh my god! Just it makes me really sad because like this was this was like his entire life was leading up to this moment, and now now what? Oh, whatever. Fuck yeah. him. <laughs> Fuck him. Ugh. I'm like a dick. No pun intended. No pun intended. Anyway, he tells Mivis, "I'll try to hold out in the morning, and then we can each eat one of my testicles for breakfast." So he lays on the murder mattress, and Mivis lays with him for a while. Brandis asks if he can turn on some music, and he does, and then they tell each other their real names, because up to this point they had been calling each other by their screen names, Frankie for Mivis and Catter for Brandis. Brandis tells Mivis that as soon as he falls asleep, he wants him to slit his throat. So Mivis leaves the room and checks in every 15 minutes or so. Eventually, Brandis says it's cold, so Mivis runs him a hot bath and just kind of hopes that he'll bleed out into the bath water and peacefully slip away. Brandis is happy that Mivis took off the bandage because the blood is spurting out into the bath water and it's really pretty and he loves it. Um, he wants to die from blood loss anyway, so he's just in, he's just enjoying his time, like bathing in his blood. He's warm now, he's comfy, whatever. Mivis went to his room and he played the radio for Brandis. He checks in on him periodically, runs the hot water, and after a couple hours, Mivis is in his room reading like a Star Trek book. Um, after a few hours, Brandis calls for him. He has dragged himself out of the tub and he is on he is unconscious on the floor. Mivis helps him up the stairs, um, and he's drifting in and out of consciousness. He's trying to bring him back to the slaughter room. 
Brandis warns him again, don't you dare try to call a medic because he's he's terrified of being referred to a psychiatrist, which is just fucking awful. Like, obviously both of them needed help. Like, he didn't he didn't have to die. This didn't have to happen. If you would have just not been so terrified of psychiatrists, maybe... It didn't have, like... <sighs> do you know if he had a past history? I don't. I... I wish I would have done more research about about Brandis, but I could I could barely bring myself to write this out. Yeah, never. <laughs> he kind of seems like yeah, obviously has problems. Yeah. I just feel I feel bad for like I feel bad for his for his boyfriend. Yeah, that's really that's, sad. that's really the only person I actually like have sympathy, real like full amounts of sympathy yeah. for. Yeah, because like yeah, obviously like they've probably been through some like shit together. Yeah. Well, he has. I wonder what he's doing now. <sighs> Wonder. So Mivis brings him to the bed in the slaughter room. He gave he gives him some blankets. He checks in periodically, and it's around three a.m. that he hears shuffling, and he sees that Brandis was trying to get out of bed, insisting that he had to pee. Mivis is like, "Just pee in the bed. It's already full of blood. Like you're not going to be able to stand up. You're gonna die if you try to stand up." Brandis like brushes his arm off of him, and he's like, "No, I have to piss." So he nah, stands up. Nah, dude, I have to piss. Yeah, he stands up. Um, he collapses and he never gets back up. Oh, I guess he did die of blood loss. So I guess one of his wishes got fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, Mivis, he says he was. I'll get to it later. Okay. At four fifteen a.m., Armin Mivis, wearing a cut-up plastic bed sheet, safety pinned to an apron, turns on his video recorder. He ties Brandis to a table, says a little prayer, and stabs him in the throat. He said he was angry that he wanted to do it, and angry that Brandis wanted him to do it. And at the same time, he was filled with indescribable happiness. He says that Brandis got what he wanted, and he was happy to have fulfilled his wish. So he he thinks that, like, everything was good and well, and Brandis would have been, like, happy with the way it all turned out. I don't know about Maybe. that. Maybe. I don't know. It, I, the whole thing made me really sad, because it seems like... They both wanted so much, and they got very little out of what they wanted. At least Brandis definitely, definitely didn't get yeah. as much out of it. Mivis got twenty pounds of flesh. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't remember what the numbers were, but he ate he ate a pretty sizable amount of him. So I won't go into the graphic details about how he cut him up, but just know the information is out there. I will say that he he pulled out Brandis's heart and uh, said to the camera, "One boy's heart." I will also the look on my face right now. Yeah, she has like a like a horrified look of disgust. I don't and know if it's like horrified. Confusion. It's just more like, it's just more like I, I guess I'll try and describe it in a sound. <laughs> Indeed. <Okay. laughs> so I also mentioned that he severs the head pretty quickly. Um, and I wanted to mention that because uh, in December I went to the Museum of Man for my birthday. There was a cannibalism exhibit, and one of the big like pieces of information that I got out of it was that when it isn't like a an event or a cultural ceremony, it's really common for the cannibals to remove the head and the hands because it makes it easier for them to like stop seeing their victim as human. So I thought that was really interesting that he like went right along with the with the typical cannibal profile. Oh, so he cut off his head and hands? Well, he cut off his head. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought it was worth noting. I would hate, like, just the thought of, like, just, like sawing through, like, body parts. Like, I don't... 
Because, like, I mean, like, ideally, like, for me, I don't want to do a period. <laughs> period. Yeah. But um, I feel I would just want to do, like, some, like, gu- like guillotine, like, done. I don't want to deal with it. But just, like, you'd, you'd probably have to, like, saw through that. Yeah. I don't even like other animal meat, like in stores and stuff. Like having to like, ugh, yeah. stay. Ugh, God, that, like all the tissues, the fibers. Yeah, meat is ugh. meat is gross. Meat is really gross. That's why we're both vegan. That's why we're vegan, and that's why my 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 mother entity for my podcast is called Wholesome Vegan Content, and I talk about cannibals. So that's as much detail as I want to go into with all of that. Um, okay. I really did try to like scrape the the description stuff from it um but what i did say it seemed necessary to me to paint the whole picture how do you feel how do i feel i feel i really don't have much um sympathy for either of them Mm. i mean there is some like you know like i mean i mean i don't know god it's just fucked up i mean at least it wasn't like he got some random dude like or maybe like he'd like tricked him to like being cannibalized i don't know i feel like what i was getting throughout this whole thing of like the actual act it seemed not even the act itself but just like everything like even before leading up to it it seemed like just like a really like over exaggerated bad sex encounter Hmm. everything like everything in the scenario flirting and like you have, like, one idea of it, and it's like, oh, it's going to end this way. It doesn't go out that way. That's just what it feels like to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt pretty shitty writing this. I almost started yeah. crying at one point. Yeah. Like, through, I, like, late into the night, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, what the fuck? God. Like, like, like do I want to talk about this? I don't have time to start the, researching another the cannibal. Weird, the weird shit that, like, people do. <laughs> All these noises. Um, just, like, the weird, like, shit that, like, people do with, when it comes to death, murder, and sexuality, the way that that kind of merges together. Right. That's, like, yeah. Yeah, like, they kind of, like, I don't know, like, one of the things that remind me of, it's not a cannibal, but it's an interesting story that I think you would like. His name, um, uh, I think he was, he was either, like, a doctor or some sort of, like, he was some sort of doctor, and he fell in love with this one girl in Florida and I forget her name too but uh, I have to to, but he fell in love with this one girl and I don't think the feeling was reciprocated at all uh and then she died at a young age she was like 20 something years old like early 20s I think too after some time he stole her body and then like basically treated it like a doll and when she started to rot he started he replaced like different parts of her body with like wax and clay and parts and he had like he was in like I think an abandoned um air like airplane I say airplane <laughs> shed but like they keep airplanes I uh-huh. think or like something like that like some big right, old right. structure that was empty um he played with her and it was just so fucked up and then when the public found out the public were like like the people were like yeah, okay. That's oh. fine. Like like there was so much like like disrespect even for years. And I've seen this so many times, with, especially for bodies of people, freak shows and stuff like that. Like right. back in like right. the early the early twentieth century, late nineteenth century, that sort of thing. How it doesn't really phase the public or if it does, it doesn't actually like culminate to something until like 
very recently right. to now. I think like only recently, like she like she got like um proper burial or something like that. Ugh. And then ugh, I don't I don't know. I have to I'll look up the details um, <laughs> later again. I think there's a video on it that you would like. Um, mm. Ask a mortician. You would like. You would like her channels. She's a funeral director. Mm, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it. That's what it just reminds me of. I mean, and then obviously like, silence of the silence of the lambs. Yeah. Yeah, Hannibal. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal. Snuff yeah. thing. I, it's, I don't like that. It's it's really strange yeah. how the like. The huge part of human culture, I guess, which is, like, death and sex, they get, like, yeah. so... And, like, eating. Eating, death, and sex. Those are, like, the big things like about primal, humans like, that, like, get all jacked up. Yeah. Very deep-rooted, primal things. Pretty much, I mean, pretty much Indeed. everything comes back to, like, sex or reproduction and death. Pretty much it. So I have, um... Let's see how much time okay. we have. So I have some some other details to to just bring up since we have some extra time. He actually found out through the internet how to dismember someone, and the instructions turned out to be pretty accurate. When the police finally raided his house, they found twenty thousand printed pages of his weird cannibal shit. This is like um the pictures of the guys he was messaging. And, like, instructions that he found online. So, like, he just printed all of it out. He printed out. all of it out. Like, he printed all of their correspondence with him and um, mm-hmm. him and Brandis. I mean, we are like, imagining two different scenarios of that. Either it's, like, neatly stashed away somewhere or it's, like, I think he was all... pretty organized. Okay. I was, like, imagining, like, disheveled stuff yeah. everywhere. But Every... I'm, I would think he's pretty organized. Do you know, do you know the artist Francis Bacon? You... Yeah. Okay. You I mean, would... I want to say yes, yeah. but I can't think of any... You would, like... All right. I'll, like... Schnapps. I was looking at what, what type of alcohol schnapps is. Schnapps. Is it? It's just its own category. It's schnapps. What do you mean? Let's see. So like you like his art. I mean like, he's going. I don't know that. Is that Francis Bacon? I don't know. I know this is Francis Bacon. It's funny. It looks like his, an octopus. This is later work. His late his earlier stuff was like a lot more like mm-hmm, full size. It's a lot more like jagged and comes at you. Wow. I guess, but, um, I mean, like, he's, Francis Bacon, like, he was not at the level of, like, cannibalist, but he was a huge sadomasochist, mm. and he was also very gay. Um fun. And there was, like, uh, and I'm doing, like, I've, I already, like, I know, like, a lot about him. I've watched documentaries, and I'm reading, um, uh, from my independent reading novel for school, <laughs> I'm reading a book about him. And, um, yeah, he had, like, you would, he was super into, like, his partners, like, abusing him. And his one partner, like, who was just so, like, sadistic to him, he literally threw him out of, like, a two-story window. And he got, like, permanent damage to his face. He loved it. Like, he, like, he loved him so much. Um, Interesting. And... Apparently he killed himself and like not Francis Bacon but his partner he either killed himself from alcohol poisoning I think on the day of like one of his biggest gallery showings in Paris. Damn. Um, and he found out that day. And also, uh, his other boyfriend who he wanted because he was like a boxer and he was like this young dude, like young guy. He was like his perfect ideal image of like what he wanted for like a tough like sadistic guy. 
course. But, and this was when Francis Bacon was, like, probably in his 50s or something like that. He ended up not, like, emotionally. He was actually, like, very nice. And, like, he liked, like, animals. And he liked cuddling. And Francis Bacon was, like, I'm into that. Like, he, um, so, and both in his personal life, like, sex life, and with his paintings, because he painted him a lot, and he painted him almost babyish, he emasculated him. And Mm -hmm. that, like, pissed him off. And it culminated, like, in one, like, really big fight where, like, he started, like, destroying a lot of shit. Oh. And then um, he went with him to another gallery showing, I think, in Paris, too. And it was either in Paris or London, I forget. But he died on the toilet, and his art director came in and was, like, dead. They didn't say anything about it for two days. And he had portraits of his deceased, quote-unquote, lover. Because there was, like, a lot of problems. So, like, <laughs> with so he was going with this fully with the knowledge that, like, he was dead. And... They had to hide it for two days because they were just like, this is not the right time for this to come this out. This is not the this right not the time, time for him to be dead. It's not the right time for him to be dead, so it had to, like, come out later. And it was just, like, they like they had, they had a whole little thing with, like, the hotel manager. And it was, like, just so fucked up. It was so fucked up. We got back to this. Well. Uh, oh. So in the book, the biography... There are parts of their IMs that are omitted because the author said they were too horrifying to imagine. But there was a lot of stuff left in. And, like, someone someone imagined this. Someone was into it. That's just... I don't know. Like, there, there are just chunks of, like, their correspondence that he was just like, this is, this is too much. Brandis had an ex-boyfriend who said that he begged him to cut his dick off. Like he he held a he held a knife to it, and Brandis was like like crying like please please just cut it off I'm begging you like I'll give you I'll give you a hundred dollars I'll give you a thousand dollars I'll give you my car I'll give you my house like I'll give you everything that I that I have like just just do it please he was like what the fuck no um, Myvis had a neighbor who he would babysit for and she said in. The interviews that even after everything that happened, he was a he was a good guy. She she he was charming. She loved him. His her kids loved him. And even after all that happened, she would still trust him with her kids. So that's some. Um, he just had to have been like a really like well put together like outside of his like of his sex life. Yeah. And the whole cannibalistic. He had to be like so fucking put together for his neighbor to say that. Right. If I like. If I was, like, a mother, ugh, God, disgusting. But if I had kids... Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. If I had kids, if I was a grown woman, and I found out the guy I was living next to was cannibalist murderer... And he had a slaughter room in his house. I would move the fuck away from that place so fast. I don't care if it was, like, dream home, dream apartment, getting the fuck out of there. That, ugh... Ugh, God. Like, why is everyone in this story, like, just so, like, like, there's, there, there's no, like, rationale. There's, like, like, every, everyone in this, like, does, does no one know how life works? Not in Germany. Not in Germany. (laughs) Okay, so now I just have some other comments that are gonna... That are going to wrap us up. I'm just going to skip the first one. Uh, When I first started my research, I was, like, so horrified by what I was reading. Because that was when I, like, when I first started, I read one article. And it took me to the the Cannibal Cafe archives. And I perused that for a bit. And I was so just fucking. 
fucking horrified that I had to stop. Like, I, 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 I exited out of my tab, and I was like, okay, I need to find out right mm-hmm. here, right now, like, what kind of kind of mental affliction someone has to have to think like this and to think that this is okay and to have a website where they have like pictures of women who are being treated like cattle and talking about human beings like they're cattle and saying that soon you'll be able to buy human meat via the cannibal cafe like I was, I was just like this is so so fucked up like what what is going I just on? Thought of the word. Paraphilia. 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 That's the That's word the... she was thinking of earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Let me look at the dictionary definition of it that fits into that. Um, <laughs> condition characterized by abnormal sexual desires, typically involving extreme or dangerous activities. Well, there you go. Let me look up for cannibalism. So I spent some time like just looking up what makes people so fucking horrible. And I must not have been using the right wording or something, because basically all of the articles that I read, like, said the same thing. Rape is bad. Being kinky is fine. Just go do your thing. And I was like, yeah, but what about the people who want to be fucked to death? Like, what about them? Are they fine? No one wanted to talk about that. Like, none of the articles that I looked at were willing to, like, be like, so here's where things get bad. It was all just, like, about rape. And I was like... Yes, rape is bad. Now, what if it's consensual and they're being murdered? And I couldn't find anything about that. Because I guess just people don't want to believe that it's a thing. Or they just don't feel like, they just don't feel like talking about it. Uh, another fun note. The author of Interview with a Cannibal actually said that he was haunted by his project, that it was eating him up and giving him nightmares, and that he was scared of the reactions the book would get when it was published. But he said that after, he had, this was after he had talked to Mivis for like three days and he had like three separate interviews with him. He was like, okay, well, like we can't just ignore all this horrible shit that happened. Like these, these are human things that happen and we can't ignore it. So he felt like he had to publish his book, even though he was like, no one should ever read this. The last comment I have to say about the book is that the author talked a lot about Freud and he quoted some psychoanalysts and like, just kind of ruined the book for me. Just trying to like psychoanalyze him. I just I hate psychoanalysts. Like Freud was he like everything that he said is complete bullshit. So like I don't yeah, when he people in science are not. It's like it's like poetry. It's yeah. more like poetry and literature anal- analysis than it is science, and it just ruins it for me. Yeah, like it's just it's so off putting yeah. when everything people... everything comes back to wanting to fuck your dad. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I don't want to. You know, me neither. And I would say that's true for most people. Mm. <laughs> it's just, it's just off-putting to I've me. I've seen a few white gays. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Freudian theory isn't valid. But <laughs> the the rest of the book is good. It's, okay. it's good. It's um probably the most informative, right. most informative, uh information about Mivis in this case. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, the song of the week is Cannibals of Rotenburg by Sons of Perdition. Because uh, that's a song about song about Mivis. There were like four songs about him, um, but they were all metal and I was just like not having it. Why? I don't know. They weren't fun. This She's one's kind of fun. Is it like, is this some like weird this, like, well, this one white was, like, hipster indie shit? 
No, I mean this one. It's um experimental industrial. Oh, that's up my alley. So, uh, we just went through the song of the week. This is just our our closing thoughts. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. Yeah, thanks for joining us. This was a fucking bummer, but then again, it's called the Cannibal Podcast, not the not the fluffy Happy Bunny Times podcast. Join us next week. We're going to be talking about the Unification Church. Oh, that's the Moonies. I didn't, didn't recognize it for a second. We're going to be talking about the Unification Church. Jude is going to be back. Do you have anything to plug you want to? Um. Well, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Mortician's Wax. All one word. M-O-R-T. <laughs> <laughs> M-L-R-T-V-I-A-N-S-W-A. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at wholesome underscore VC. That's wholesome underscore VC. That's where I, I post all my, my wholesome vegan content information. Any other information is going to gonna be in the description. I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but if I sound different, uh, it's because I got an actual microphone and I'm no longer recording off of my laptop. So If it does sound different. <laughs> if it does sound different, which it didn't sound very different to me and I was a little bit annoyed, but uh, I think it does sound better. So yeah. you guys, you tell me, does it sound better? Because if it doesn't, just know that I'm going to destroy my laptop and I'm going to destroy this microphone. So please tell me it sounds better. Join us next week when we talk about the Unification Church. That's uh, the Moonies. That's one of my favorite cults. That's actually the cult that Stephen Hassan, the the guy who created the Byte model, that's the cult that he was uh, deprogrammed from. So that's fun. Nice. This is going to be the first time we're talking about uh, deprogramming in the, the old-fashioned sense of the word where they would kidnap people from cults and forcefully tell them that they were wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. So that's that. Join us for that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you didn't throw up. Um, if you did. Uh, okay, bye.